welcome to the Wellington Sport Podcast, where our aim is to provide interesting sports conversations with anyone in the world of sport, including old Wellingtonians, down involved in sport, or other individuals who now work within sport. For this episode, your host will be Lauren Green, Freddie Bristow, and they'll be joined by O.W. James Cobb. We'll also hear from Martin Charles, Mr. Alton Callum. Before we get stuck in, we hope that you're all staying safe and well at home, looking after yourselves physically and mentally. Those of you who don't recognise my voice, this is Mr. Tully, the Rack Professional. I'm also joined by Ben Corson, our assistant pro. I'm going to start with Ben. Um, ben is currently ranked two in the world at rackets after a US Open win in Chicago back at the start of March. So, um, Ben, why don't you get us going? Tell us a little bit about your story, your sporting and racket background, and then hand over to Freddie and Laura. Okay, uh, thanks, Ron. Um, yeah, so as Ron said, I'm the assistant pro at Wellington. Um, I started playing rackets at a pretty young age. Um, my dad is a professional Winchester, so I had a bit of a head start on everyone else. Um, and didn't didn't go to Winchester. Went to state school, but played at the courts there with with all the Wickmiss um, up until eighteen. Uh, worked at Queens for a bit after that, um, and then did a little three month stint in Chicago, which was a lot of fun. Um, then worked at Tunbridge for a year, and now at Wellington. Okay, I think I'm supposed to introduce myself now. So I'm I'm Freddie. Um, and so I started playing rackets uh, down in New York, um, one of the only juniors there, so it's just me, James Stout and Neil Smith all, all training together. And then I moved to Wellington, I went to start a school at Wellington College, and that's where my rackets really took off under the tutelage of Ryan Tully. Um, and I managed to win the Foster Cup in my final year, but unfortunately haven't been able to play the doubles. Um, because of this, these circumstances, um, but maybe potentially, um, if it does happen for some reason, we, me and Ethan, would love to give it our best. Um, Lauren. Yeah. So, um, sport for me has always been really important, and I, if I'm ever bored, you know, I'll always try fill my time with sport. Uh, my main sport is golf. And I kind of specialised in it in the last five or six years. Um, and it's taken me all over the place doing loads of competitions. Um, and I'm going to carry on pursuing it at university in America. Um, but luckily, I found about found out about rackets um, pretty early on at Wellington. And I've just loved, loved it and been addicted to it ever since I picked up a racket. Um, and yeah, it's been a great way of having a distraction from golf and I've loved being able to compete for the school in another sport because I haven't really had the time to do other things like hockey or netball um so yeah no golf's my main sport but rackets has been really really big for me in the last five or so years thanks Lauren thanks Freddie thanks Ben uh we're going to pass over to Mr Arthur Carl now who's going to introduce O.W. James Coyne. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, I've been master in charge of rackets at Wellington for, um, I think, over 20 years now. Um, I think it's one of the great jobs at Wellington College. Um, there have been plenty of highlights. Perhaps this, this is, is one of the highlights of that 
career, um, the opportunity to introduce today's special guest, um, a former world champion, the current chairman of the Rackets Committee of the TNRA, and of course, Old Wellingtonian, James Coyne. Thank you very James. much. Hi, James. James, I just as, um, a few words I'm going to try and introduce you, James. Um, please do correct me on any on any facts when it's your turn to talk, James. Um, James left in 2003, I think. Is that correct, James? Correct. Yep. Um, and um, since when <clears throat> he's uh, become, uh, I think we could say, an unmistakable figure in the world of rackets on both sides of the, the Atlantic. Um, and I think um, generally well known as a larger than life figure in the OW world generally. I think James um, probably first grabbed the attention of the world of rackets beyond Wellington in a memorable second pair semi-final um, in 2001-2. James might um, tell us a little bit about that, that story um, himself uh, a little bit later. During James's five years at Wellington, I think I probably saw more of him than anybody else, not only uh, through rackets uh, and cricket, but I actually taught James in the classroom for five years, or should we say James and I spent five years in the same uh, classroom, I, uh, French and German to GCSE, um, and James's ability to do funny accents certainly uh, helped him there. And then I think, was, was it two years of A-level German, James, or was it A-level French? No, it was, it was, it was A-level um, German. It was yeah. A-level German, yeah. And yeah. so, again, memorable uh, experiences. Yeah. Um, again, James might like to talk about his time in the classroom at Wellington, <laughs> as well as his, his sporting career. Um, and of course, we spent a lot of time uh, together with cricket. Um, one international, several domestic cricket tours uh, together. Um, plenty of, of, of anecdotes there. I'm sure James might, for example, like to talk about the way he celebrated the award of tourist of the tour at Cape Town Airport one year, or, or, or maybe stories of the uh, all-you-can-eat Chinese restaurant in Bedford, um, he might choose instead. Um, finally, um, congratulations, James. Uh, I do want to congratulate you in public on becoming a father, um, I think it was four weeks ago. Really exciting news, and I think, James, that means that you are now older than I am. So, James, it's, it's wonderful to have you to have you here. You're looking very well. Um, and we're really looking forward to hearing um, the stories you've got to tell. And I know that Freddie and Lauren have plenty of, uh, of interesting questions for you. So I'll hand over to you two captains. Uh, it's all yours. Ask James anything you like. Okay, we're, we're um, going to start with a word association game. Yeah. Where I'm going well, to say a word or phrase, and you're going to have to think the first, the first thing you think of, um, just speak uh, speak about it so the first thing i'm going to say is congas 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 well uh, did you have congas back then what the hell is congas <laughs> well mr oliphant gallon but did was congas back in 2000 2003 was... get my microphone on we i don't know if you can hear me yeah uh, we definitely had congas um uh, you might have, have called it by its official name, Congregational Practice, James. It was on Friday or Saturday mornings before um, 
a full uh, college chapel service. Um, I can certainly remember you reading in chapel, so, so you, you were there, James, I know that. I was certainly, I, I did uh, attend chapel uh, sometimes. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise it had an official name. Uh, I think the House of God wasn't really a place that I thought I should frequent all that often, if I'm honest, <laughs> but I did enjoy the singing. Uh, uh, shall I go for the next one? Uh, uh, Kingsley's. Never did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the doubles normally coincide with the Kingsley's. Yeah, is, it, is that the I, one through the lake? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never yeah. been the Kingsley's either. So I yeah, managed to avoid the Kingsley's uh, third, first, more. Well, I think you call it third form now. In my first year, I was actually injured and couldn't take part. And every subsequent year, my housemaster, uh, Ken Hopkins, uh, who OC will remember, uh, I managed to sort of evade doing it because I said that I had to go for Queen's Club, uh, the tournament practice, um, which always was about a week before term ended. Uh, so I'm, I managed to get myself a week at home, which meant that I never actually did the Kingsley's. Um, regrettably, regrettably. It looked fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the next word, well, next phrase is house singing. Oh, fantastic. We had possibly the worst songs. Uh, we, were, I was in a the Orange, which back in the day was a, a boys' house, and uh, I would probably say the most self-run house by the boys. Um, and obviously they never took anything seriously so we had ludicrous songs which made us all look completely stupid but we did quite enjoy doing them anyway <laughs> um so next one maniacs oh no chance i mean <laughs> not even not, not not even the temptation of winning a mars bar for having for having jumped in a freezing cold pool every morning of term uh, got managed to get me out of bed for that it was uh yeah, despite the look of me, I, I turned the Mars bar down for that one. <laughs> yeah, I've got one more, and it's uh, Be the Duke. Is that... Be the Duke? Uh, that, that did not exist. Is that your thing? Okay, that was, okay. <laughs> well, it's finished now as well. So. Tell, tell, tell James what, the, what that is. Okay, it's basically a giant game of tag around the whole school. You get given a name, and you just got to start hunting them. So you like you just camp outside the lessons, waiting for them to come out the the classrooms, and you just tag them. Even you get the kill, they're out. Take their name, go for another kill. Um, Was this an unofficial? Uh, no, yeah. it was an official game, two parliamentary. Oh. But unfortunately, um, due to health and safety, they had to uh, stop playing the game, um, which is very sad. Courtney, you would have won it. I know that. <laughs> was it was it a winner take all for the cash? Was it was it you know illegal gambling? Uh, it was, it was for charity, so good cause. But it's the most interesting was... fact about my last year of school, which is what happened on my birthday, sixth of October, two thousand and would have been it would have been three, wouldn't it? No, it would have been two. Yeah. And. Uh, was the abolishment of taxes on gambling winnings. And my partner, Mark Penner, and I celebrated this by bumping into Jim Jews uh, in the sports betting shop in Crowthorne High Street. Um, so so I, I was disappointed that Beat the Duke was not, uh, was not a gambling game. Yeah. And there we go. 
Uh, Freddie Lauren, do, do you want to ask uh, James uh, any questions about his about his playing career? Whether it's yeah, also I'll, I'll start with his schooling career. So, who was the best player you played with at Wellington? Uh, at Wellington. At Wellington. Um, as in pupil. Yeah, pupil. Yeah. Well, that I can recall was probably George Tyso at the time. Um, he was a, a buddy of mine. He came from the same prep school, and he was. He was well. Is a phenomenal sportsman. Had great hand-eye coordination. I mean, never seemed to miss the ball. He was he was really quite quite special at the time. Uh, he went on to win the Foster Cup uh, in our final year. Um, can't remember how he did in the. Can't remember how he did in the previous year, but um, he, was, he did he pretty was, well. Yeah, he got to the semi-final where he was beaten by Jamie Stout. I think that was Jamie's ah. second uh, Foster Cup year. Yeah, that's probably right. So quite I think George game. was George was quite um, he was quite a special player back then. Um, but then my proudest moment was duffing him up in the under twenty one singles, uh, when, <laughs> when he hadn't played as much as I had, and I managed to managed to get one get one through him. Oh. Okay, so my next question was: Who's the best player you played against uh, during your uh, Wellington? Yeah, during your Wellington career. Oh gosh, that's a very good question. Uh, gosh, because they're all so rubbish now. No, um, I, <laughs> the no I don't think time. I ever came across a, a stout at school. Annoyingly, I mean, um, he's only the year above me, but I don't think I was ever uh, promoted high enough in the pairings at school to, to ever come across. Um, right. But I would, I would, I would think actually we had a. It might well have been Tyso again, to be honest. We played against him in the first pairs cup at Queen's, oh. uh, where we qualified as a second pair, got far enough to qualify through into the first pairs. And we played him and Hugo Shepherd in our final year. Um, Noel Brett's biggest mistake as a rackets professional, putting me <laughs> in the second pair in the other six. But, uh, but we, had an, we had a humdinger of a game for four games. So they got to two all, and then obviously... Fitness wasn't quite there for us. We'd already played, you know, about five games in the second pairs, and I think we were their first game. So, um, but we, yeah, we had a, we had a fantastic doubles match, and we really enjoyed going toe to toe with him. He played on the left hand side, I on the right. Um, so I think it's probably the same bloke for, uh, for for both questions. Yeah. Okay, so he was the best at the time. So I did win the Foster. Does he did? Does, so what was your favourite away day? Well, I had many away days. Yeah. <laughs> um, university visits, uh, you know, which all happened in the week, second week in June, which just so happened to coincide with the Stella Artois tournament at Queens. Um, <laughs> so I think I think I only really actually went to one university, but um, I think AC touched on it earlier. We had a, a, a post, I suppose tour to Birmingham uh, one year where we went away for about three days, um, played some pretty average cricket um, and certainly played harder in the extracurricular activities and I think sort of seeing seeing us as, or most of us as uh, were leavers and uh, just had a, a really fantastic time, we could, everyone let their hairs down which was nice. Um, obviously, we were nearly not the teacher's responsibility, so they were a bit more relaxed as well. But um, we had a fantastic three-day event uh, 
in the sort of Midlands, which was visiting Robin Dyer's old stomping grounds. Um, and we have, yeah, I think that was probably one of my one of my highlights in in the UK anyway. Um, I think, yeah. Okay, um, I've got two more questions. Which school was the most satisfying to beat in rackets? Uh, which school did you just want to beat the most? Well, it wasn't racket. I was eaten in everything. So smug they were. Um, I think, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely the highlight to sort of go out and, and, and well, if you could beat them, beat them. Um, yeah, for certain, for certain. I think they were the they were a bit sort of bit of a nemesis, as they probably are to with most people. No, no, they still are. Got a got a pretty um, certainly in rackets. They got a exceptional record. It's always nice to beat a Wellington pair. So now, what was your best rackets moment at Welly? Oh, second pairs, second pairs, doubles, semi-final actually. Uh, yeah, semi-final. We were it was my partner Penner and I. He was very disappointed not to have been invited into a do a duo interview, but uh, <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think he can't actually sort of get himself in the public domain these days. So, uh, you know, he needs to keep quiet in Spain. Um, but we had Cheltenham and we were three love down. And I think it was 12-3 down in the semi-final of the second pairs. And somehow managed to invoke a Cheltenham choke fest and got ourselves back into the game by winning that fourth game. And then we, we continued through to win the match. Um, Can we remember the the Cheltenham players back then? Yeah, I I I think it was I think it was Charlie Luckoff and Andrew McLeod, I think, who was a sub for Ben Snell, I think, at the time. So our yeah, his loss, our game. Um, I don't think we'd have taken it home if Snelly was out there. But uh, yeah, and then then we did. Uh, go on to win the final the next day. I think it was maybe 4-1 or something against a Marlborough pair, perhaps, yeah. um, which was a slightly um, anti-climax of a, of a match, as the finals often are. Oh, yeah, that semi-final does sound incredible. It was good. Uh, it was meant to be trumped by winning it again the following year, <laughs> uh, which unfortunately didn't happen. We were playing in the final against another Cheltenham pair, Luckock again, and another uh, and Penner and I were just relaxing at Queen's uh, as we tended <laughs> to do and we happened to sort of notice that our opposition hadn't turned up yet so we continued our relaxing process Penner picking out the day's winners from the racing post uh, you know me having a little sort of coffee and a cake and uh, still nowhere to be seen so about 10 minutes Noel our then pro ran in completely panicked asking what the hell we were doing we said it's fine they haven't shown up we're going to get a walkover and apparently they'd been warming up and running around the car park for about the last 45 minutes which is why we hadn't seen them <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we, so we need to say we got off to a slow start and we and we didn't quite win the match which was a, a great pity because uh, no one no one has and ever probably is likely to do the double again so we had a golden opportunity squandered through stupidity <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think now I'm going to ask some questions about life after school. Mm. Um, so first off, you were 
world doubles champion from 2013 to 2015 um and we just wanted to know how how you managed to reach the highest level of sport um like what what let what let you get there um well i did i did pick a pretty good partner if i'm <laughs> honest uh and, and it's sort of sort of half a joke but it's, it's not really he was he was seriously good and that allowed me to just play like i can and just tee off and go and go after balls and i knew that he had my back wherever it was but i think winding back from that uh having left school and uh, just i went off to uh ue in bristol much to the amazement of my academic tutor who under gave my father clear instructions that higher education was not from james i think were your words oc but i went against those and decided to go anyway and luckily enough had a course at clifton college and without i don't know i just sort of really enjoyed playing racket so i went and played a lot and without really realizing it um started to sort of get better and i, I didn't realize it myself either actually because i didn't really have i wasn't playing a lot of, sort of tournaments and things but just getting out we had a great set of guys down in bristol as well we were very lucky to have 10 the 10 or 11 players who played regularly eight of which were foster park players i mean we were pretty blessed with you know the pickings and i just sort of took it on myself to try and organize the rabble and just played probably six times a week and only when i came out to london and started playing in a few tournaments and i started getting close to people that were you know good that i realized oh, something's happening here and you know just carried on and then got onto some development squads run by uh, the tnra uh, which helped the things like footwork and fitness and I mean nutrition but obviously <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think the last two I sort of took a little bit with a pinch of salt but a little bit helped me a lot um, so I kind of probably my biggest regret is never really taking it that seriously who knows what would have happened um, so I sort of owe it to being you know to being in Bristol and spending a couple of years playing a lot and being lucky enough to be able I went up to all the tournaments in London and carried on playing and went to Montreal and just got the bug for the game and you know different type of game out there I must admit but it was yeah fantastic so I think just that was the catalyst to sort of propel me forward and then just had a real passion for it and helping organizing things and just always wanting to play and I just naturally got better and then when I got the sort of targeted help from the development squads that's when that's when I was able to you know that's when I was able to sort of get a lot better uh, and get myself into into a position where you can start challenging for things like that uh, I think yeah um and so next one is how did you manage to balance work um at the same time as trying to compete at that high level you said and like in the development squads and um obviously works can be really difficult um if you've had a long day you might not want to play in the evening or like how do you prioritize time um well luckily as, as a as a benefit of my failing academics at wellington uh, i ended up in insurance and that Luckily, I was working for uh, someone I've known for a long time who was quite understanding of my sporting um, requirements. And sometimes companies quite like the fact that you go out and play, you know, internationally, albeit in a very small sport like rackets. But um, it has a sort of, you know, 
I could tie in a bit of stuff in New York and places with work as well. I could, you know, so I was, I, I was able to find that balance. Um, whereas lots of others, certainly now, I think it's very different with how people are, what people are expected to do in their jobs and the time in which they're expected to spend doing it. Um, I didn't sort of have the same time pressures, I wouldn't say. Um, but you're right, when you balance it to, if you have had a tough day and you don't want to, play or train or do whatever you just kind of got to do it and I don't know that was my fun space that's just what I wanted to do that's kind of sometimes how I did relax for a long day I could just go and hit a ball it may not have been a long session just try and keep it as productive as possible could have been just I just went on and hit half an hour of serves you know just something simple like that or just hitting back wall kills to myself and just putting them away or you know, whatever it may have been, teeing up volleys and trying to get them away. And it could have been anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, just however long I wanted to spend or however long I thought it was being productive for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the next one, this can be a school court or uh, another club. So which are your favourites to play at? Chicago. Uh, well, it's my favourite club in the world, for sure. Uh, lucky, lucky enough to be a member there as well played some of my best rackets on that court. I think I was there a lot um, for a period. They held tournaments every year, which I went to. Uh, then Hopton was the professional there and being my partner for many years. You know, I went over there to practice, certainly leading up to World Championships and in between when we won and the one which we lost. Um, I was there a lot and I got some I got some pretty good results out of that. It was my first first takedown of a of a big player, Harry Foster. It was my first big win. Um he wasn't I don't he wasn't world champion then. I think he just lost I think he'd lost to Jamie Stout at that point, I think. But um he was a big, big scout. Then I sort of took down places like Titchener Barrett and things and got to a lot of finals there. Never win singles finals, or rarely win singles finals. I think that's one one round too many for, for my for my figure. But um, yeah, no, I've had I've, I've very much enjoyed it there, and obviously Queens as my home court. Uh, you know, I got to know that pretty well, um, and it was a very different court back then to what it is today. It's a little more forgiving. Um, it's pretty harsh in comparison to some other you know, rallying courts. But um, yeah, I had hit some good games there where I was just serving, serve well, serve like a dream, roll some, roll some, roll some balls. Took Stout out. 15 love in one game. First time everyone's <laughs> done that at Queen's. Pretty happy with that. Um, should have won the match, really. Three match points, but there we go. Um, so, yeah, I think Chicago and Queen's are my two um, my two safe havens for, for my play. Yeah, I know. When we went on tour there a um, couple of years ago, I really, really liked Chicago. It's such a nice club and it was, like, really spacious. And, yeah, I know, really like that. Um, so, this one best stories or memories from a tour or match and try and make it suitable for the listeners don't have any then (laughs) 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 um from rackets or or uh yeah rackets i guess but it can be anything I mean, I suppose the most memorable uh, tour was the week I spent in Chicago before the um, before the World Championship. Um, kicked off and and just had a fantastic week over there. All the members, the hype. There was, it was a good amount of 
excitement from certainly the Chicago club having sort of me I wasn't a member then but then Hopton playing tips to Barrett uh, and uh, Cockcroft and yeah I think we had I mean the match itself I'll never forget I mean it was probably the most excited I've ever been in a sporting encounter and they probably crammed I don't know 150 people into the gallery people sitting in the air vents you know it was it was nuts um and I think of the 150, 148 were cheering for us uh, and two for the offer. I mean, it, it was an electric atmosphere. It was crazy. And obviously, we, we, we won that leg, started off a bit. It was, a, it was a great match, actually, all pretty closely fought. And then I suppose the memory of this celebration, well, not really, well, hazy memory of the celebration was, was pretty good fun. Nearly missed the flight. Um, I was packed off the day flight on Sunday by my partner, uh, so I didn't have too much fun the following week. So I made sure I got back to London and got back into training. But um, I think as a as a as a as a tour uh, personally for for me that was that was right up there. Um, and picking another sport, OC mentioned the South Africa cricket tour when I was a Colt. So what do you call that now? Fifth form. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a fifth form half term and we went to South Africa. So I was sort of, I guess, being looked at to come into the cricket 11 in my last sixth year. And we went we went on tour to South Africa, which was, I mean, absolutely great fun as a, as a junior. Um, I thought I tried to dye my hair the day before we went, which was completely disastrous. <laughs> um, tried to spoon on some blonde highlights. So my first... <laughs> First encounter was just, <laughs> just being looked at by the staff going, Coin, what have you done? <laughs> I don't know. I said, I hope we've got caps, sir. Um and was, luckily we did. But we yeah, we had a we had a great tour. That was a that was an eye opener, seeing how Southern Hemisphere kids get through school. My gosh, that was that was discipline that I didn't even know existed back in back then. Um I think most schools over here have got that a bit more discipline, <laughs> but they were just the most courteous and lovely people I'd ever come across in, in sport and determined and just good. Um, we got trounced by some of these guys. I mean, I've never seen bowling at that age group quite like it. I mean, crazy, crazy. But that was that was a hell of a tour. We had a lot. We had a lot of fun on that tour. And I've still got some great memories and some great souvenirs that still live in my drawers. <laughs> What's next on your agenda for you then, Connie? In general? Yeah. Well, I'll get some sleep, I think. This <laughs> <laughs> baby, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll be interested to see what, uh, so from a racket perspective, like I'm handing over the chairmanship of the TNRA, so that'll be uh, free up a little bit more time. Might, might, might mean I can get back on court a little bit now. Um, which I've sort of moved out of London, well, primarily. I still work up there, so I'll play a bit at Queen's, but might go and play play some provincial rackets, get down to rugby, um, see what's going on there, and, uh, you know, a bit of Radley with Rocky and stuff, and try and help some of the kids out around, get down to Wellington a bit more now I can. Um, so I think, well, yeah, I think my sort of, my competing days at the sort of top level are dwindling. Um I generally have about one good match in me a season now, so as long as I can keep it that way. I just about qualified for the invitation again, so I don't have to. But as soon as I got to qualify for that again, I think I might hang the boots up. But 
But um, yeah, but the rackets are still still going, still strong. Don't get through as many, which is good. Um, the game's got a bit cheaper for me, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Very, very. Uh, play a bit more. Play a bit more cricket these days. And found my I found my sort of level in the village cricket league. So yeah, perfect. Just about my pace. <laughs> good fun. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time and asking those questions. Uh, uh, I'm going to. I'm just going to sort of move some of those questions onto Fred and Lauren right now. I'm sort of curious to sort of see how much you agree with Tony. How much things have changed over the last decade or so in school rackets? Uh, mm. Where are your favourite places to play? Where, where have you had the most fun playing rackets? First? Um. Well, we. Well, I love Queens. Just the whole week. Is, Unbelievable. So if I'm gonna to have to say the best place, it's, it's definitely Queens. I'm just... Yeah, I I think I'm struggling to think of a core or a place I prefer. Queens is so good. Like I've made some really good memories there with my partner Izzy, and also watching some incredible men's rackets there as well. Um, definitely. I think Queens just is so special. The buzz there. I think every rackets player would say it's. Definitely don't find anywhere else. So yeah. Okay. And your favourite matches? Have your favourite matches? If you think back to the most fun you've had on court, most nervous you've been on court, is that no Freddie's <laughs> Yeah, I know mine. Yeah, mine was uh, the winning match of the Foster Cup. Uh, for sure. Right. It was just such a relief once I finally got past the finish line, got the win, just holding that trophy as well. Just unfortunately, we couldn't do it with the first pairs, but couldn't do yeah, much. Yeah, it's been a real shame this season. We'll, we'll get on to the end of this season in a minute, a little bit. There's a good video of you winning the Foster Cup the last Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I've got it on my uh, phone, so yeah. every time I'm going to walk about there, it's a match point. You, looked, out. you stopped, uh, you looked around, you took it all in, um, and then there was a let ball, and what happened happened again. And, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, How about you, Lauren? What have you been? I don't, I don't know if one like stands out, but um, obviously I played so many matches with Izzy, um, and the partnership we've got is so special. And playing against Cheltenham, um, we like they're really our rivals, and uh, you know when we do beat them, it's it really is exciting, and we, we feel happy when we do it, um, and so finals at Queen's, um, beating beating them, yeah, twice now, um, with India, without India, against, um, you know, it's just a really good match and just uh, something we always look forward to. So, and, you know, our last one had a good crowd and it just made it even more exciting. Um, so, yeah, no, either of them, really. A lot of people look back on to the match where you were in fifth form with Izzy playing as Colts in the senior girls final. And you lost to Rose in India from Cheltenham in a really tight game. It was one of the, one of the highest levels of women's rackets over time, being played by school kids at Queen's. And everybody who came into the gallery stayed and watched right to the end. It was packed at the end. And people still talk about that as being a bit of a turning point. And I think the levels continue to improve. Obviously, you guys got better over the last couple of years as well. Has it felt um, as good? Have you felt that you've been able to sort of justify that and, and continue and, and keep going? Yeah, no. Um, well, 
that much for sure was uh you know i when i when there's a close match i i'm izzy definitely doesn't agree with this but i think when i have a close match i find it way more exciting you know like um if there's a long rally the the crowd kind of get a bit more involved and obviously if you're on the winning side it makes it a whole lot easier and you you know you come out of it a lot happier but um that match i just i really did love it um and you know it was so upsetting and frustrating to have lost but um yeah i definitely will remember that for a while and as you said since then we've managed to have a few um you know really close matches since and yeah i think you know the, the, we're trying to get it faster and stronger and the girls game is definitely it's definitely going there so um yeah no it's exciting what to see the future holds and hopefully just get more numbers really that's what we need okay last thing then for freddie and for lauren just because um so much talk to you as ow's now assuming that the season has come to a close what would you like to see of, a, of the club that you've both captained what would you like to see of Wellington College Rackets in, in three years' time, in five years' time, in ten years' time? Where would you like that to be? What would you have to change? Um, what would you like to continue? It, well, at the moment, I think well, Wellington Rackets is doing quite well. But the girls' rackets keeps on improving. There's more and more girls who play. And even the boys' rackets, like the, the yearlings at the moment, well, soon to be junior Colts. And they're looking quite promising with uh, old Sammy Strauss and... Um, and they, um, I hope, well, hopefully that one of them wins the first pairs because uh, I don't think Wellington won the first pairs in a while. Have they? The last win was 2011. 2011, yeah. So maybe like Strauss or um, his partner could possibly do it in four years' time. Let's just touch back on this season then. It has been a massive change for, for you, Freddie, and for Ethan, who have. Um, haven't been unbeaten all season, lost to Eton away, um, but beat Eton quite easily at home uh, more recently and, um, and we're seeded one in the doubles. Um, looking forward to that. It wasn't going to be easy, it wasn't a straightforward draw. But um, OC, I don't know if you want to come in on this. I don't think there's been a recent time where Wellington have had a stronger pair or a better chance of winning a doubles. I think, I, th I think that's right. I mean, the year that last year we won at 2011, which was uh, uh, Nick Hopcroft and Angus Bubaya. Um Even then, I think we was we were second seeds, even though Nick had um, twice won the Foster Cup. He won it as a Colt, actually. Um, lost the final the next year, won it again. So we had a, a two-time Foster Cup winner. Um, they, I think, were unbeaten during the school season. But Cheltenham, we knew with Richard Owen, um, another stout. Um, there was several of them, weren't there? Um, they were a really good pair. So that was that was that was tough. Um, this, I think, is the first time we've been first seeds. I've known other occasions when we were first seeds um, from an unbeaten season and lost in the first round. Um, that was uh, Patrick Corridon and Ben Marchand. They had won the Colts doubles as a pair. Um, and were really successful, and then were were beaten by an unseeded uh, Winchester pair, um, um, who should have been seeded, I think. Um, and then the very first year I was involved, our first pair, um, pair of identical twins, James and Andrew Clues, really good players, um, again seeded one, um, lost in the semi-final 
it's 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 really tough to win the doubles. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought we had a great chance this year. Really good chance. Um, wasn't going to be easy. I uh, thought that, that it was a strong really year. Easy. I think you'd have had a tough game uh, in every round when Hopcroft and Gubaya won it. I think that they. Um, we we knew they would get to the final. Um, you know, the draw looked like that. Um, you, I think, looks as though you were going to have a tougher game in each of the in each of the first three rounds this year. So it wouldn't have been easy to get there. I think you would have done. Um, I, would, I would have backed you to do so. But but I but I what I would say is I think it's a really tough uh, tournament to win. Um, and uh, Just stats, haven't we, OC? Because we've yeah. report this year. Been nine occasions where to have won that first pair doubles. Only two of them have come in Chris Potter's lifetime. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, seven of them. Ages. No, it's two. No, so there was one. I think the forty-seven. Forty-seven. Just before him. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. In two thousand and eleven. Yeah. So that was Melanson and Melanson won in in nineteen eighty, wasn't it? Um, I think they beat my dad that year. They did. They did. Yeah. I think they, he was in the Charterhouse pair and did. I think, I think that was in the semis. Was it semis? I think it was semis where they, they lost. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't talk about it much then? No, no. Not <laughs> he barely remembers it. So. <laughs> Freddie, I had one question uh, for you actually because you're in an interesting position of knowing the game as a schoolboy. You know the game in America as well as the school game here very well. And you talked about training there um, even before you played at school. Um, there aren't many Americans who play the game below the age of 18, are there? Um, well, there is one sort of big reason for that, and that's, that's mainly because of the clubs. Yeah. Um, because like they're all all the memberships of these clubs are over the age of 21. Yeah. So even in Philadelphia, I can't become a member myself when I when I move there. So my dad's becoming a member, so then I can play. Right. And then maybe when I, so when I get uh, to the age of 21, we'll sort of switch and I'll become a member and you can just get membership. Is that Which something is, like- So that's, that is literally the main reason, because New York especially, New York's a, a, just a not non-kid-friendly place. Yeah. Um, so I was only allowed to play on the weekends. change? Well, James, I wonder what you think about that. Would the game be stronger if more American uh, schoolboys and American schoolgirls got, got the chance to play? Well, yeah, I think, yes. Um, the sooner you start, the, the easier it is to grow with the game, the pace. I think the sort of the barrier to someone starting, well, the barrier in America is they can only start when they can join a club, and they can only join a club when they start earning enough to be able to do so. Yeah. Um, and your, your sort of pickings are rather slim. You can't get anyone early enough, or very few early enough. We have seen some schoolboy players that play because they, you know, their members, Ali Fenengo, for example, yep. in Chicago, and he came over and played in the schools tour. Yes, correct. Um, you know, so it'll be a huge benefit. And the quality of the North American game or born game would be so much greater if they could if they could reach out. But the the, the barrier of the sort of the club is slightly difficult. Uh, it's something they're they're looking at, but their junior programs aren't junior like we would think thirteen to eighteen and and well thirteen to twenty four say yes. they are sort of twenty you know something they're not yeah. they're not the schools they don't go out and get the schools yeah correct correct 
Yeah, I mean, Freddie was very lucky. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, it's just speaking of my dad. Should really have won the Foster Cup a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> a bit disappointing, yeah. Uh, at least I got one. You did get one. You did get one. Stouty's claiming it, right? Uh, well, <laughs> he likes to. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to touch back on the Racket Club of Chicago. Tony, you mentioned it was your favourite place in the US. Uh, Lauren, you've mentioned it as an amazing facility that we visited on tour, obviously Freddie, you, you visited as well. Um, with particular reference to Ben, who's been quite quiet um, for the last, last little while. So um, Ben was in Chicago at the start of March and won his first major Open Championship, the US Open, uh, the big tournament. World Champion Tom Billings was in that tournament, um, that was in the semi. Um, ben, just talk us through your experience in Chicago and and particularly uh, uh, the tournament you just played there? Um, well, Chicago is also a favourite club uh, in the US. I, I did three months there two years ago, so I'm um, just really excited to go back there. Um, as soon as I got there, like, all the members were just really welcoming. Um, so when I went there two weeks ago, I kind of got there immediately taken out to dinner by a few members and there's such a buzz around the whole tournament. Um, um, yeah, um, so I think Billings and Rich played in the semis, is that right? Uh, Rich surprisingly took him down. Um, that match was unbelievable uh, if I remember. Uh, I I played Duncliffe with a doubles partner. Um, that was a really weird game. Uh, I mean we both got injured at least once um, and he, he had some sort of problem with his arm or still don't really know what it was. Uh, so he pulled out in the fifth uh, so I was a bit lucky to get through that. Um, then the final, I just remember how many people in the gallery. It's actually packed. Um, normally it's in Chicago, um, but it was loud. Um, Rich went two love up pretty easily, I think. The second might might have gone to the set. Uh, I, ne- I never played Rich before either, so um, no clue what. Didn't really have much of a plan. Uh, I just remember him. Just the covers already. Um, couldn't really get near him. Uh, just sort of ground him down. The next three uh, didn't do too much, but I just thought just keep running really. Um, Try to keep it off his forehand. Um, but yeah, we also match point to lose three love. No, match points for three love. Um, I remember then like. The gallery was really behind me by then. Um, so I just had so much adrenaline really to keep the match going, partly for me and partly for them. Um, I think, yeah, I called no set. I was hoping Rich would have a little Cheltenham choke. Um, I think one of them I hit a drop shot, which only, only just went in. So that was quite lucky. Um, then there's a few kind of hands in. I think it's he had two match points. No, 
two or three game points. Um, luckily, I served an ace and something in one of them. Then after that, I just kind of, you know, I had a chance, which kept getting balls back. He was getting a bit tired. Um, yeah, and in the end, some somehow did it. Like one of the sort of, I don't know, sort of a celebration, but it was pretty raw at the time. There's a good highlight video on YouTube, and, and I think we can see if you look at that that you look either cold or injured at the start of the match, sort of slowly get better throughout, and which goes the other way. Um, and certainly by game four, you would need something quite special to, to beat you, someone to keep getting balls back. You're right, but um, did you finish it with a drop shot? How did you finish it? Um, I didn't finish it with a drop shot. Um, I hit a burst into the into his backhand corner, which uh, forced an like, I remember speaking to Alex Duncliffe before the match, and he was saying, try and hit that sort of shallow burst into that into his backhand corner as much as you can. Um, so try to do that, really, and that seemed to be a good tactic on the day. I mean, such a bouncy court that day, well, that whole weekend. I think um, I think they've been done front, maybe back The whole weekend was just lots of rallies, not many aces. Um, Six me, I guess. Around. It was a good tournament, even for people who couldn't be over there at the time. It was well streamed by you know, Club in Chicago and as well. Yeah. Commentating as well from Ben, <laughs> the doubles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, good memory from that weekend was sort of Billings, Rich, Mole, all the kind of top players all sat around the screen watching the ladies' world doubles at Wellington. Um, so that that was played on in the locker room. Um, so it was quite quite a good weekend of brackets. And, uh, it was a good one. It was Queen's weekend as well, wasn't it? Queen's weekend as well. A lot of yeah. activity all happening at once. Lauren, you finished at Wellington now and are looking towards Colorado. You've got a golf scholarship to Colorado. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that involves, what the program's going to look like over there. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to go to Colorado um, on a golf scholarship. I was between quite a few universities, but when I went to visit, it just really stood out um, because the coaches are so good. The um, head coach and the assistant coach have been both on the PGA and LPGA tours. So, you know, if you want really to get to that level, to be instructed by someone who has been there is just going to be a massive help. Um, and yeah, so it's just a big part of my university life, really, um, practicing every day and get to go to competitions. I think they play four in the spring, four in the fall. Um, so, you know, and they're all over the place. Um, I think the last one they did was Hawaii before things got shut off. So, you know, it's a really, really good schedule um, going all across America. And yeah, I just can't wait. Um, to see how good I can get, I guess. Okay, and, and how has COVID affected anything? Do you know if you're going to be flying out the normal date and starting as usual? Or is it... um, well, interesting. I just got a call actually two days ago from my coach saying if I can't get my visa in time, um, I'll be looking to start 
2021. So I haven't really planned gap year at all uh, and didn't really want to take one, but we'll see uh, if Trump opens the embassy, wants people to come into the country. I don't know, there's going to be quite a few international students in my position, but at the moment, um, yeah, I can't get my visas, so we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I'm really hoping to go. I'm supposed to be going mid-August, so, you know, it's quite soon, but, um, yeah. yeah. That's not that's not much time to sort of try and put a gap here together, though. <laughs> a lot of people do manage it. A lot of people tend to have quite a lot of... Um, you know, people who keep themselves busy and when you're presented with a lot of time I'm sure you'll find a way to sort of use it well but fingers crossed you can get over there in August and, or soon yeah after. I'm hoping I'm really hoping I can I mean it might not be the end of the world if not just to give my shoulder a bit more of a rest because I've been battling an injury for a while but um yeah I, if I can like, I'm desperate to go I'd go tomorrow if I could so I'm just hoping that I can go as soon as possible yeah, the shoulder's been bugging me for a little while. Um, have you had a chance to swing a golf club recently? Uh, no, I'm playing nine holes on Sunday, which is the first time I would have played on a course in probably four months, three months. So looking forward to that and not sure how it will go, but we'll see. <laughs> Good luck. Fred, you're also going to the States. You're going to UPenn. Uh, so there's rackets in Philadelphia. Uh, you've got a US passport, so I don't imagine visa issues are a problem for you, but just talk us through your plans for next year as well. Uh, yeah, so no visa problems. I'm definitely going to um, Penn in August. Um, but yeah, so my plans are is just to continue playing rackets and real tennis as much as I can in Philly. Uh, luckily, they've got a few good pros, John Lumley, Rob Wrighthouse. Um, and hopefully, like the tournaments, they start opening back up. So, like the Silver Racket, I think is the first one. I'm not sure. That's New York Silver Racket is around about the same. It's November. Is that, is that the first tournament of this? Early November. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm gonna try and play in that and just try to play as much as possible. Plus, balancing university life and just getting to know people. But also, I so I don't know when these clubs will open as well. So. And I might be in England because the universities may not open in September as well. So uh, it's really, well, during this time, it's sort of a bit unpredictable what's going to happen. Um, so if I am in the US and in Philly at university, I'll definitely try to get um, playing at the club there. Okay. And if you're over here, is that because they'd be running online classes instead uh, and you could manage um, in the UK? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that probably would be the reason. Like, because yeah, so some universities in America have already cancelled their lessons for the first semester. Oh wow! So uh, so they're doing online lessons already. With, um, with there any chance you would be delaying a year as well? Or you just no, I, I'm definitely going to go and start. Um, but I am. I have no idea if it'll be online classes or if I'll actually be on the campus. So depending on if it's online or not, I will depend if. I, I'm in Philly. And it's always impossible to predict what's going to happen after university goes. Things yeah. change over sort of three or four years when you're aboard like that. But uh, as things stand at the moment, uh, let's start with you, Lauren. What's the plan for, for you in, in four years' time, five years' time? Where do you think you might be living? What would you like to be doing? Um, I wish I could know. 
like I hate I hate uh, not knowing what's coming but um, I guess don't really have a plan just I want to see how good I can get at golf um, at university because college golf is really the best golf in the world at that age group so if if I manage to do all right then potentially go pro um, see if I can try qualify on the Symmetra tour or some tour and uh, smaller tour in America um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll really love America. I think I'll really enjoy living there. So um, I know one of the team team members has just um, extended her career by one, her college career by one year. So, you know, that could be a potential, but um, we'll see how good I can get and then go from there, I guess. Yeah. Exciting. What about you, Fred? Uh, well, Thinking instead of going straight to a job, I might take a, a year or a year and a half out to focus on my rackets and uh, real tennis. Try to challenge Ben. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah sort of talking to you about that, egging you on. <laughs> um, Danny Jones, our real tennis pro, as well, has been mentioning it. Yeah, he, he really wants me to um, sort of pursue that path. So that would be treat yourself like a professional player for a year. Yeah. Train well, eat well, play all the tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Both games, singles and doubles? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. They have a doubles partner at the moment, but we'll see in four years' time. <laughs> we'll probably have someone. Uh, but yeah. yeah, both rackets and real tennis as well, so not just focusing on the rackets. I'm going to try to challenge both. Only a few people have ever done that. Yeah, it's a really good goal to have. That's exciting. I also like the idea that you're thinking of challenging Ben. <laughs> ben, because Ben isn't yes, the current. And Tom Billings is. And Tom Billings is the youngest world champion ever at the moment. Still, he's not until Ben playing anywhere. Um, Ben's improving quickly. Won um, the last tournament that they were both in, but he lost the British Open final to him in 2019. Ben, what are you looking at for the next year and or a couple of years? Um, next year, not really too sure now. Um, I was looking at going to Radley, uh, to be the assistant pro there, um, but now I, I don't really know what the need is for the assistant pro if it's not going to be much racket season. Um, from tournament side, still. I mean, it's all a bit up in the air, but in theory, there's a world challenge in November. This is doubles. Uh, for the doubles, yeah. Um, with Alex Duncliffe Rines. Um, there'll have to be an eliminator. And also, this year's British Open still hasn't been played. So that's got to so get let's played. Let's go through this sort of you know, final order. The, the British yeah. Open is the final qualifying event. Yeah, it's um, about supposed to be in last week or a couple of weeks back um, and in theory it's now supposed to be mid-September um, just after the Nobreeze. Um, okay so so fingers crossed assuming that can be played yeah. a winner or a finalist and they'll have all of the data that they need to put together a world yeah. challenge in November may involve an eliminator hopefully uh, yeah I think they've confirmed there will be an eliminator whatever that's uh, the way it works out this year. Um, so Tom Billings and Rich Owen are definitely involved in that. Um, so then it's between Mike Bailey and Nick James, or Tom Cliff Rines and me. Um, All right, so 
sort of wait and see, I guess. Hopefully, you yeah. can British Open and beat those guys and get around round further yeah. and win the tournament. Yeah, so we, we have to do better than them. They're slightly ahead of us at the moment. In the ranking points, okay. Yeah. Um, so that would be a World Doubles Challenge in November. Where's that? Uh, so obviously, one leg's at Queen's. I think it's the second leg, and the other leg's in New York, uh, along with the silver racket. Okay, there you go. That'd be exciting. Let's see how Fred can do in the silver racket and see if he can win. Yeah. There'll be a singles world championship the following year. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, following November. Okay, so, and assuming you keep going as you are and you keep competing, reaching finals and winning events, you'll be in the, in the mix to challenge Tom Billings for the world singles title. Uh, yeah, that, that's the plan. Um, yeah, long way off, so um, but looking good at the moment, points-wise at least. Um, just need to do training really as much as I can next season. Uh, this year definitely kicked on quite a lot with my singles. Um, just playing ready all the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose when we were we were pretty excited to announce when when you were when you started working at Wellington in September, you were number five in the world, and, and quite quickly got up to number two. You won the invitation without dropping a game. Uh, you've only lost one singles match, and that was the British Open final. Okay, um, I think it's probably time to close this down for a little bit. Um, Coyne, it's been brilliant to see you and to catch up with you. Thank you for your time. Um, no, thank you. Very precious with a new baby. I know what you're going through a little bit. Um, no, it was a welcome break, I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the truth of it. it means I can lock myself away for 20 minutes <laughs> to talk about rackets. Perfect. Well, uh, best of luck with... with uh, as, as that continues. Um, Thank you. Lauren, good to see you guys too. Ben, Mr. OC. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Good to see you, Connie. Thanks. See you soon. Thanks. 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 Thanks.